Welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present Nikki Mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hey, mamas, welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. It's Martha and my dearest, dear, dear, dear friend, <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> I was like, is this how you're breaking up with me as a friend? Is that like saying- <laughs> I got so caught up in the dears that I like blanked out I'm for so a second. <laughs> it's, I couldn't stop once I started. You're just that wonderful. Um, <laughs> Today on the podcast, we have a very special episode. I mean, they're all special, but this is even specialer because we have two NICU mamas. And uh, I think the most wonderful thing about each of them is, is the fact that we in the Dear NICU Mama leadership team have been able to watch their friendship develop and blossom and become mm-hmm. something totally special and magnificent mm-hmm. on its own. Uh, Charlene and Liz, I didn't mention this to you before we started, but last week we were interviewed uh, about our work and someone said, what is a success that you've witnessed, you know, in your community? And I think for Ashley and I, like your relationship is one of the top things we I think about in, uh, you know, a success of, of, <laughs> of all NICU moms, like this sisterhood, you know, um, it's exactly what we wanted it to be. We wanted, um, moms to be able to find each other and reach out in these vulnerable places and connect. And that's you two. Also, you two are hilarious. And oh, also, gosh, yes. all I see in my Facebook feed is you two. By the way, it's like Bjorn Emerson, Bjorn Emerson, Bjorn Emerson. <laughs> tagging Lizzie, tagging Lizzie, tagging Lizzie. Yes, exactly, exactly. So uh, informally, Charlene, Lizzie, do you want to say hi? Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Charlene and Lizzie each have their own really unique NICU journeys um, that we're going to have them start out by sharing a bit about. But uh, we really wanted to put focus about the special, unique nature of NICU mama friendships. Um, so who wants to start first? I'll who start was first. born first? Emerson was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Chronologically. That sure. makes sense. So Emerson was born April 17th. She was due July 20th. Um, so she was born at 26 weeks and four days. Very, very premature. She's a micro preemie, one pound, 12 ounces. Um, I went from high blood pressure to preeclampsia to help syndrome in a matter of five days. And they just said, nope, mm-hmm. it's time she's coming. And we spent 114 days in the NICU. Um, she came home August 9th of last year. And she came home with oxygen. She did. Right, yep. Charlene? She was on oxygen okay. until January uh, 3rd. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. And how, how was it to get the final okay to not be on oxygen anymore? I mean, I don't think I've <laughs> cried so like even through the whole NICU journey I think I cried harder at all of her like new milestones I'm like yes this girl has just got it she is rocking and rolling she's yeah she was just done with it they they kind of assumed they told us to you know expect her to be on oxygen for probably a year at home so we were looking at like through the summer and everything and then I'm like she's sitting here satting at like 99 and 100 constantly and she's on the lowest (laughs) notch so I'm like you guys, like, can we just can we just try her off oxygen? And they're like, uh, go ahead, I guess. Kind of thinking, eh, she's it's a little early, but no, she just rocked it. And you know, a sleep study came a week wow. later, and then they're like, go ahead, go ahead and let her off of it. Mom, I think she was more ready than mom. I was not ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so incredible. And you recently just shared a post too about how you like officially removed the oxygen like tank out of your home right or am I making that yeah up? no you're not I um I held on to that for well until last Thursday actually <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's been six months that we had it at home I've just it becomes kind of their another body part you know with this this yeah, su- yeah. and this support system too it's like I had such a hard time even when they told us you can take her off the pulse ox you can take her off all of that she was still on for close to two months afterwards because mm-hmm. I just you know, you, you, you don't know any different. You don't know any different other than the unusual and the, you know, the oxygen was there as kind of like a comfort blanket. Like it was just 
just in case, just in case I, I felt myself always looking to it like, okay, we, we're going to have to go back on. We might have to go back on. And then her pulmonologist said, Charlene, you guys need the closet space because that girl's got so much clothes. <laughs> Let it know. We'll come and pick it up. Oh I'm like, gosh, okay, that... you're right. So yeah. we let it go. And now she's got all this room for more clothes. Yes. That for those incredible. that don't know, Emerson is Instagram famous. She has <laughs> a ginormous collection of giant bows. It is so cute. My kid looks, okay, if I tried to put a bow like that on my kid, she would have looked insane. I, I don't know. It, she would have tried to rip it off. It looked like a rubber band on her head. There oh was something wrong. But Emerson, every picture is right. You know what I mean? Yeah. She truly can rock any style of bow. There's gotta, not yes, one bow. You gotta start I, her really young. <laughs> I started her right off the bat. As soon as they said, yeah, we can put clothes on her, I'm like, bows. And I brought a ton of bows. <laughs> Who needs clothes when you have I know. Clothes? I, mean, I agree. <laughs> oh, so I love true. that. You know, Charlene, I from all of my uh, stalking on social media, <laughs> I really, I love um, your relationship with your husband, you know, your parenting partner. I think it's really, really strong. And I'm sure that was super helpful. But um, before you went into the NICU, did you know anybody who had been in the NICU before? So I was actually a NICU baby. Um, oh my, my gosh, mom, sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. My mom, uh, not as preemie as, as Emerson, but I was born six weeks early. Uh, my mom had preeclampsia. So though it's, there's, you know, they don't, they say there's no, um, it's not hereditary. It's not like it just happened to be a coincidence, I guess. So, um, my mom actually the day after Emerson was born, flew out here from California and she stayed for the full six weeks that I was like in recovery and everything. And so she, though it's a little different. I was in the NICU for eight days. So it, it was a little different, but, um, she still had that, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's eight days or 114 days, like the trauma and the stress of it, like to each mom, I just feel like is the, the same, you know what I mean? Like it's the worst experience that they've had. So she was there, she knew, and she was so, so supportive and, and Tyler was there and he was so, so supportive too. So um, other than that, no, <laughs> no one like this. Hmm. Wow. That. I do have to say, I mean, sometimes, you know, even with my mom, there's, there's definite things that, um, I wish she could understand or really, um, get as part of my experiences in the NICU. So that must've been a kind of a unique thing, you know, for your mom to say, oh yeah, I did this with you. And I think it's just incredible that she flew out to be with you she too. Did. Yeah, she's what just, a VA mom. I'm telling you, she is the best. She is the best. And she <laughs> came out too when um when Emerson came home. She came out for a couple of weeks. She's just yeah, she's a rock star. She's the best. Yeah, that's so that's awesome. So special. Okay, Miss Lizzie. Yes, um. Let's hear about your miracle baby. Okay. So I had yarn at exactly 24 weeks after being in the hospital for about five days. Um, no idea why I had them. There's, I just went into labor early. Um, got all the fun stuff to stop contractions. Worked for a little bit. Then he decided to make his grand appearance dramatically. It went from awesome my contraction stopped to he needs to get born to born in about two hours total Mm, um so he was born via emergency c-section um on may 15th he was originally due on september 4th and we spent 95 days in the NICU and we came home august 17th exactly one week and a day after miss emerson (laughs) oh my goodness I mean, that's a pretty incredible NICU stay for being born that early, too. I mean, Emerson as well. I, I just think they just are these kiddos that really have just, gosh, they've just flown and blossomed and done so well, um, yeah. beaten every odd. So the experience of delivering so quickly must have been terrifying for you. Um, did you Were you able to be with, with your partner or any family member during that time? I, I was, um, my husband was there, thankfully, cause I was a hot mess mm-hmm. and 
ironically, the day that he was born, my son, um, I told my husband, Mike, I'm like, yeah, just go ahead, go home, take a shower, relax, you know, get out of here for a little bit. I will be fine. 20 minutes later, I'm calling him on the phone, screaming, saying, get back here right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was there um, for the birth itself. He missed a lot of it um, because they weren't sure if I would have to go under anesthesia or if we could do an epidural. Um, So by the time he got in there, they had literally just taken Bjorn out. Um, So he got a lovely view of my insides. (laughs) Oh my god! And if that doesn't solidify a marriage, I don't know what does. I was yeah. just gonna say that. Wow. Yeah. So he he got to see him taken out, and they matched everything, and he stayed with me. He didn't go off with Bjorn when he went to the Nikki, which honestly I was really grateful for because I had the shakes so bad, and I was so scared, and I didn't know if he was gonna die, if I was gonna die. You just, it was terrifying. It was the most terrifying experience of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lizzie, I so appreciate uh, your social media page, obviously, because I stalk you both. But I, one of the things I appreciate is about how vulnerable and honest you were about um, the repercussions of having a traumatic delivery and a traumatic pregnancy. And um, also just in general addressing PMADS, you know, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Um, How did you start to realize that maybe those things were affecting you? It kind of started, well, I've had, I've I've dealt with depression and anxiety for a big chunk of my life. And, um, it kind of relates to Bjorn was a surprise baby. Um, we didn't plan him at all. Mm -hmm. And so I, it came from not being able to bond with him because I, I found out later in the pregnancy that I, I was pregnant and then him being born early right when I was starting to be like, yeah, you know, I'm okay with this. I'm ready for this. Mm-hmm. And then it was ripped away from me. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had that bond shattered and then going through the NICU and kind of just feeling alone. And I don't know. You, you, I kind of figured right after I, I figured I was going to go through it um, just because I've always had such an issue with depression sure. and once I kind of felt it creeping up after he was born at my two week follow up, I was talking to my doctor and she diagnosed me with PTD, PPD, um, pretty early. She said I had all the signs of it. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's something I you know I'm still struggling with, and he's 14 months old, and I mean, it, it gets better, but you have those moments where it's just like am I ever going to be okay again? And I, it's such, it's such a lonely feeling when you think, Mm -hmm. you know, you see things on Facebook and Instagram of these picture perfect moms and, you know, with a supermodel body the day after the baby's born. And you're like, well, why don't I have that? What's wrong with me that I don't have this happiness that all these other new moms do. And I don't want others to feel that way. To feel like, well, something's wrong with me. You know, this is my fault. When it's it's not your fault. You're not alone. There's a bunch of people out there. We just like to show the good to make it look like everything's fine. And I don't want to do that. I want to show what it's really like, what it, what it really feels like, and what those PTSD flashbacks really feel like. And, you know, have other people relate to it if they can. Totally. And I... I think you're, well, first of all, incredibly wise and brave to identify that within yourself while you were going through it. It's really difficult to even have a fraction of um, uh, objectiveness when you're when you're in the middle of those kind of storms, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really it it just shows you how resilient you are that you you um, stood up in those moments. And then also what you're doing, it's so clearly um, is building community, right? Because shame and otherness and isolation Mm -hmm. are those primary feelings. And so being vocal about them, I think has been, um, for me, I find great comfort in the things that you post, you know, like you said, it goes on for a while, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, even this past weekend when I was having a meltdown and I thought, oh, 
I'm permanently broken, you know, (laughs) Um, it's really, it's so comforting to say, okay, other people are going through this. And to some extent, this is quote unquote normal. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Struggle and and suffering their people. Those are human experiences. And that's really powerful that you share them, Lizzie. So thank you so much. I'm glad I can help somehow. I just love you. Not (laughs) like so so much. I think it's really profound. Um, And even uh, I don't even think I've I've told you this, Lizzie, but we have some uh, some mutual people that we know through work and stuff, and they just they just uh, uh, gush about you and how much you've Mm -hmm. been able to, how much you've overcome. And I'll tell you their names afterwards. But they're just (laughs) they just uh, you're well loved and admired. As are you, Charlene. And maybe this okay. is a great place to say, well, how the heck did you two meet? Where did this relationship start? <laughs> okay. I can do this. She <laughs> um, I have a letter if you want me to read that instead. Oh, uh, there's a letter? There's a letter. There's totally a letter. Oh. So I was holding Emerson for the second time um, ever. Mm. Um, she was intubated for 26 days. So we really couldn't um, hold her or anything during oh. that time. So she was so vulnerable. And the second time I was holding her, I was in our room with my mom. And we're just snuggled up. And there's nurses coming in because it's such a great experience after a month to watch, you know, the baby being held and loved and snuggled on and then this code got called over the speakers and just every nurse in that room I'm like getting chills just thinking about it every nurse in the NICU practically just I mean they literally dropped what was in their hands if they weren't working with the baby obviously (laughs) and bolted I mean they ran out the door they I was mid-conversation with one of them and she just stopped and put her clipboard down and ran out the door and I'm like what is going on here and a nurse said oh there's a there's a early baby being born downstairs and I'm like oh my god no like no and I thought about it for hours I mean I I ended up going home for a little bit resting came back a few hours later and in the corner where Emerson was first at when she was born there was another baby and on the same machines that she was on the oscillator and all of these wires and you know machines and stuff that were all like completely unfamiliar to me in the beginning and suddenly I knew what they all were um all there and I'm sitting there having this just gnarly panic attack and not even about myself but I'm like this poor mom (laughs) the fact that she's gonna go through everything I've gone through for the last month almost it just was horrible and then one of the nurses comes up and she's like Charlene you gotta focus on your on your baby on yourself and I'm like how how am I gonna like just let them sorry go have fun it's a wild ride in here I'm like no I can't do that can you just tell me what her name is and they're like you know we can't I'm like can you just tell me how early the baby was you know we can't I'm like well I'm gonna find out (laughs) I'm gonna find out and I'm gonna write this mom a letter and I just wrote and I think it's like two pages long and I don't even Lizzie just shared with me earlier what it said because honestly I wrote it folded it up and gave it to the nurse I said please just give this to her if she doesn't want to talk to me she doesn't have to but just give this to her so she knows that there's someone who's there um to talk to I'm already crying I know same (laughs) (sighs) And it's so incredible. Literally, as you start talking, the skies opened up and it started downpouring rain outside my window. So (laughs) even the sky is crying. (laughs) Yes, the sky is crying. So you should, and we should say too, you were in kind of an open uh, design for Nikki's, right? So there were multiple babies in the same room. Yep. Um, So at that point, you two were not in the same area yet. So. Yes, we were in the same, it was the same area. So Emerson's room, um, they had like a, it's like an isolation room kind of. And we got put in there, not for any medical reason, besides the fact that she was the most vulnerable baby in the NICU and they had a pretty full house in there. So we had been moved into that. um, It was a room inside the giant room in the NICU. So there wasn't, um, like a closed door or anything like that it was just like an like a separate area sort of it was like a large closet it was it really was yeah. yeah and so Charlene you then 
I mean, obviously this code experience was so, had been different. I mean, you'd seen moms come and go from the NICU Mm -hmm. already, but this was different. Um, It it was just, you know, I can't even really explain it. And I couldn't even tell you what the code was. I just, there was something so different about the, the, the air just got so heavy with uh, the look on these nurses faces was just like, almost fear and I I don't know if fear is the right word but it it felt like oh crap you know and how quickly everybody went and yeah people had come and gone I mean we had already been there for about a month and people you know came and went and they had you know the um like sugar babies and the babies that just needed to be kind of watched for a few days and um this just wasn't that case (laughs) and I had a feeling it that it wasn't just based on how everybody was reacting so um we left. I hung around as long as I could and I poked as many nurses as I could for information and no one would <laughs> give me anything. And so I left and rested and talked about it. And I even made a Facebook page uh, or a Facebook post about it later that night that a new baby came into the NICU and asking my friends and family to just send a prayer out for them because they're about to go through this roller coaster that you know Tyler and I had been on for the last month. And a lot of people are like, oh gosh, it just, you know, talking about it back and forth and and it just came up you know on Bjorn's birthday um this post came up in my memories I'm reading it I'm like oh my god it all started here and then oh you sent god. it to me and I, I did yeah. <laughs> like, look, see I loved you before you even knew me oh <laughs> that is truly like um there's something like divine about that it's just truly I, the fact that you were so compelled Charlene there's something so special about it I'm Lizzie, what was it like to get that letter and how did it, how was it handed to you? Was it a dove or? (laughs) There was a big shining light and a dove came down. No, Um, we had, um, me and my husband had just walked in after washing our hands and everything. And um, I don't even remember what nurse it was, but she came up and she had this letter and she's like, this is from a NICU mom. I'm like, Okay. She's like, you don't have to take it if you don't want to, but you should probably take it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And so I I opened it and I had to read it about three times before I could actually like understand what I was reading because it just kind of, I read like my baby was born at this and I'm like, oh my God, it's another one just like me. Hmm. And then I just started crying and my husband's like, oh, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> so I just had to like stop and just like calm down and read again, calm down and read again. And then just like, I, I, I still have a letter to this day and I read it every now and again, even though I talk to Charlene every single day, it just that letter meant a lot. It just, it was like, it's, this is really cheesy, but it's like when you're really, really cold in the winter, like you just got back in from shoveling and you take like a sip of like hot chocolate or broth and you just feel that warmth just kind of go through your chest and spread everywhere that's honestly what it felt like because I wasn't alone anymore oh my god I'm your peppermint mocha aren't I I'm your peppermint mocha (laughs) (laughs) yes it just it it was really comforting and then I was too scared to message her because she terrified me (laughs) (laughs) I I um I, I totally understand what you're saying, not about Charlene being scary, um, but about, the, about the, the comforting feeling. And I can't imagine how powerful that was for you when you were at like the lowest, right? Like yeah. terrifying. And that's all, it, it's amazing how um, when someone is vulnerable and reaches out their hand, how powerful it can be for, for the, the receiver, right? I mean, yeah. that you know, think of how formative that was for your NICU experience. I can't even imagine how incredible. It helped a lot. It, it made the, I wouldn't say made the experience better, but it made it more bearable. Less yeah. lonely. <laughs> yeah. So what made you finally reach out? I, <laughs> sorry, I, my, one of my sisters did have, um, NICU babies herself or twins so oh. I'm kind of familiar with it um, my my mom had a NICU baby and my oldest sister had NICU babies wow um, so you, it was like part of your vernacular you you understood yeah. it to some degree 
Yeah, my family's really good at getting pregnant. We're not good at staying pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you knew about it. Did you ever imagine that it would be an experience you would have? I didn't for some issues. I I, I was never sure if I, if I was actually going to have kids just because of the issues that do kind of run in my family. And I know like just because one sister does doesn't mean you will. But it's a, it's a running theme in my family. Mm-hmm. unfortunately and I was always kind of scared of like well am I even going to be able to get pregnant and when things were just going fine you know there was nothing like he was growing the way he should he measured well everything was fine I, like I kind of sat back and like okay you know maybe everything will turn out fine and then it just it didn't and it definitely throws like throws you through a loop and you just you don't know how to process it when you get told like he might be born at 23 weeks and two days and you just kind of you go to what did I do wrong yeah yeah and that's the worst feeling because Mm -hmm. in my case like I I didn't there's no reason for him to have been born early there was no no preeclampsia no gestational diabetes no nothing he's just decided to say hi (laughs) yeah yeah and so you had a lot of you had a lot of um people I imagine that could identify with experience and could walk you through it but was what finally then kind of said no I'm going to be brave and reach out to this other NICU mom who's here with me right now a lot of it was because she was local um Mm -hmm. my family lives about four hours away from here and all my other friends that have had kids, you know, they can relate to certain aspects like to the C-section or something like that. But for the, the NICU experience, you know, I had no one to kind of go to. And then I got this letter from her and I talked the whole thing through with my husband, which I don't know why I did, but I'm like, should I message her? Should I, would that be weird? Even though she wrote me a letter because she was local and I stalked her on Facebook a lot. <laughs> and I just, it was someone who could relate to me, who I could reach out to instead of just, you know, someone four hours away who can't really be there for you physically when you need that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm having an emotional breakdown. I need to be somewhere with someone who can understand me. Absolutely. And, and they're right there in the same space you are, you know, you don't have to yeah. go down a, an elevator and then take a 15 minute drive. And then, you know, right. That totally makes sense. Right. Well, and yeah. I the fact that she was in the NICU too, still, you know, helped as well. Yeah. I think too, it's, it's important. I love how you brought this up because I think sometimes it's really tempting to um, sometimes have our only support system be our spouse, but mm-hmm. the mother, the, the the mom and the partner oftentimes experience the NICU journey very differently. And so um, I think it's so valuable that you were able to reach out to another mom so that you had another support beyond just your partner. Yeah, that was something big too, because my husband definitely processed it differently than I do. And, you know, basically once Bjorn came home, it was, all right, we went through that. He's okay. He's home. He's awesome. We're good. To where I have, you know, like flashbacks or memories or certain milestones that just trigger something or his due date or things like that. He's just like, well, it's in the past and he's fine. So you can definitely, it's, it, men and women definitely process it differently. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I'm like, girl, tell me. Come tell me about it. Let me <laughs> tell me she we'll just eat got some it. ice cream and we'll be fine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> ice cream solves everything. So I assume then you walked it through and I totally understand. I before I messaged Ashley, like typed a whole thing up and I read it to my husband and he was like, I'm sorry, I was listening to a JFK autobiography. What are you doing? And I was like, first of all, rude. Second of all, gross. Um, but I um I I totally get that that nervousness of reaching out to someone new and like are they gonna think yes. I'm a crazy person? So you hit send and what happened? Well, I had tried texting first mm-hmm. and I wrote the message about I don't know seven times, <laughs> and then I'm like, no, I'm not gonna text her. I'm gonna stalk her on Facebook first, which I did because she gave me her Facebook, and 
I wrote a message and I, it was just really long because I could explain me like our journey and whatnot. And she read it right away and responded and we just started talking and it wasn't like an everyday thing because obviously we we're both going through NICU baby stuff, but, um, we started talking every day and we still talk every single day. <laughs> Can I just say that as soon as she messaged me, I like went running through my house, holding my C-section stitch, like going, my mom was still there and my husband's like, who messaged you? And I was like, the girl, the girl with the baby in the corner messaged me. <laughs> You're like an almost daily conversation in my house. I'm like, I wonder what that baby is doing. I wonder if that baby is a boy or a girl. And then you message me. I'm like, you guys, guess what just happened? <laughs> It was a good Here's day. her name. Here's the baby's name. And I'm like looking through the pictures. I'm like, okay, I got to get all of her Facebook in my brain in the next five minutes before I respond to her. <laughs> you were like, what color dress did she wear to prom in 2005? You know what? We got married at the same venue. I'm not even we did. No. It's like, I'm telling you, like, it was fate for us to be friends. Was, I'm like, literally, our pictures, I'm like, did you get married here? She's like, yes. I'm like, me too. Oh, oh my gosh. So I I mean, it's so obvious that aside from the fact that you're both like so wonderful and compassionate, you also have, um, you're, you have great fun in life. You're both really, really funny and quirky and you like things. There's so many similarities there. I mean, did that hit you right away? It didn't. (laughs) It it didn't hit me either until like later when we started talking more i think especially like after the babies came out of the NICU yeah we're just like oh she's she's just as weird as me mm-hmm. oh okay <laughs> i like this like i can relate to this i don't have to hide my weird a lot of our NICU journey together was like asking each other a lot of questions about the babies and it was just all very baby focused at first so like it you I know bet. like it is sure. in the NICU it was all very much How's Bjorn doing? How's Emerson doing? Oh, Emerson had a bottle today. Oh, Bjorn got taken off oxygen. Like, it was all very baby, 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 baby. I mean, like, bought baby clothes for each other and, like, full on baby, baby, baby all the time. Yeah. Um, It wasn't really Lizzie and Charlene until after the NICU where we were able to, like, really just enjoy each other so much. So, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, we discovered the weird. And the weird, I think, made it better (laughs) it did I love that I love that you stay connected because I you're right the baby is a focus when you're in the NICU and every day there's like a new challenge you know even when moms are posting in the the support group online I can see I'm like oh yeah that's right because they're you're like well we were gonna go back down to Romare and then this happened and then they got a hernia and that you know Mm -hmm. every day there's a brand new battle so you just are kind of tracking that every single day and you're like we want to gain a couple more, uh, you know, a couple more grams or we want to take a couple more mills. So mm-hmm. um, I love that you were supporting each other through that. And then it, it lasted all the way so you could get to know each other as people. That's so beautiful. Yeah, it, was. it helps a lot, too, I think. Uh, you know, obviously, not to out you, Charlene, but, you know, we both kind of came out <laughs> a little mentally wounded from that you know with postpartum depression and ptsd and things like that and it's nice to have someone like you know to talk to be like this is how i feel and i feel like something's wrong with me and then that person can be like no i feel the same your feelings are validated and you just it makes you feel normal (laughs) you have someone close that can relate or if you're you're having a bad day and something triggered you you have that person to be like this happened this triggered me I don't know how to fix it and then that person can jump in and be like this is what you can do I'm here let me know if you need me I can talk to you I can call you let me know and it's someone who just gets you in ways that like you're you're, unfortunately your friends aren't going to get you because they haven't experienced that and hopefully they never will yeah I had so totally. many friends reach out with this. I can't imagine. I'm like, I, I don't want you to. So, exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't ever expect you to. And you're right. You can't imagine. And it's, it's good to get that, you know, you have that support, but it's still just 
lonely unless you have someone who just gets it. They just, I, I mean, you don't have to explain, this is why I'm feeling this way. You just have to say, I'm feeling blah. And they just know why. Like, oh, yep. Yes. But you're fine. You're fine. Everything, you know, you're okay. You're, it, it's, it's awesome. We keep each other in check with everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the first time you had one of those conversations, you know, about the, um, uh, scary mommy thoughts, so to speak, you know, these things that like, I'm starting to feel this way. It doesn't feel right. Something, I think something's wrong with me. Right. That's like a common intrusive thought. Sometimes we have, um, in the PMADS world, when you started to dig deep and, and show those vulnerable parts of you, how did it feel at first? Was it, was it scary to share that with another mom? So I was not, um, as brave and awesome as Lizzie when it comes to like self-identifying, Hey, this is happening. (laughs) So my journey to like being diagnosed with postpartum depression and PTSD was kind of forced upon me. And that might, I mean, I feel like that probably happens. I I'm not embarrassed, but it's, it's, not great. <laughs> um, my my husband actually reached out to a doctor and said, someone's got to help her. She's not okay. And she's not really willing to admit it. And they, um, they hooked me up with a counselor and who then, you know, got me started on medicines and, and the, the counseling and such. And it was not a, here I am, something's wrong. Um, it was really kind of pushed on me. So, being able to talk to someone who was also going through the same thing made me feel a little less ashamed of it, I guess you could say. Yeah. So I, um, at first, I think we started to talk about it first because I went and saw a counselor and I'm like, this is just like, it feels small doing this, like admitting that I need help from someone else, you know? And, and it felt really just odd. And Lizzie's like, no, same. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, when Charlene told me that she had started to see someone, um, it actually encouraged me to do the same. I, before that, I had just been, you know, diagnosed and then given medication. And she's like, "Yeah, I'm seeing someone too." And I'm like, "Okay, maybe it's not so bad if I do see someone and reach out for help because I need to talk to someone about it, and I can't figure it out myself." <laughs> I think it's really beautiful how you there's like that ebb and flow in the relationship. I mean, um, I mean, it, it, the fact that you see movement and change and healing in the other and that it's inspirational for you to do the same is is really powerful. And it also it also, I think, shows you too, like, oh, it can be done. Like, I can do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Charlene, just to add this and Lizzie, too, I I think that however your journey to healing happened is, is the way it, it, it happened. And I think that however you got there, you're brave and resilient regardless of of how it felt at the time. I think it sounds like both of you have incredible minds and bodies that protected you during the most intense and terrible experiences of your life. And you did so that you could be rock star moms to your baby. (laughs) Yeah. They turned out pretty awesome. Didn't they? (laughs) They did. They definitely did. You guys make good babies. The babies are A plus top quality kiddos. Um, Can I ask one question? And I'm sorry if this is weird, but, you know, one thing that we chat about sometimes in our support group is there can be this this comparison game in the NICU unintentionally. And so you see another mom reaching a milestone before your baby, but you've been there longer or vice versa. And so did you guys ever experience like any of that in your friendship or like how did you navigate? Because what I see on social media is how you guys celebrate each other's babies so amazingly. You know, every milestone that you guys share, the other one is like congratulating and being like, this is the most (laughs) amazing thing ever. And it's so beautiful. (laughs) So I just would love to hear like if you guys ever ran into that where it was like a comparison or like, you know, how did you navigate that? If you did. I think... Was there necessarily a comparison? Um, At least for me, I can't speak for Charlene, but for me, you know, my son's still behind in some things and I see Emerson doing certain things and I get jealous. And I'm like, why isn't Bjorn doing this? Or something like that. 
and I'm like, and I do acknowledge that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling jealous. And I have reached out to her and I've been like, Hey, I'm super proud of Emerson. She's doing amazing. However, I'm jealous because my son isn't doing this yet. And she never comes back with, well, that's your problem. She's never, ever done that. It's always mm. been, I'm sorry. You know, how can I help fix it? And I don't know if that's the same for her, but it's, it's hard seeing other babies similar in age for sure. And the jealousy does come up, but I'm glad we have the relationship that we do to where I can tell her like, yeah. I'm so proud, but I'm so jealous. And I don't know how to express that without hurting your feelings because you deserve to be proud of her. She's doing so, so much, but I'm so, so jealous. I think the same thing. I know I'm, I'm thinking of so many scenarios where I'm like, oh my gosh, Bjorn is doing this and Emerson isn't yet. And the same thing, like I think just are like open. I'm like, but then I ask for help too. I'm like, what are you doing here that like is getting, is like encouraging him to like eating, for example, like Bjorn is like the best eater and Emerson, <laughs> like we're stuck on French toast sticks for life, I think with Emerson. So she's like <laughs> the only thing she'll eat. So, and she's like, oh, this is what I do. Here's this group I'm in that like helped, you know, help me learn how to, you know, feed him certain ways, whatever. So I think like that conversation it helps because it's like, yes, I'm yeah. like, I'm jealous of this, but it's not because I like love your baby any less. It's not because like, it, there's nothing like that there. I remember in the NICU, um, the respiratory therapist coming in and going, Bjorn is on room air. Like he's on, he's off oxygen. I'm like, what, what <laughs> he's a what? <laughs> like, that's how is that even happening? That was like two weeks before Emerson went home. I mean, he like rocked that thing and got off oxygen really quickly. And I'm like, what are we doing wrong? Like, what do we do differently here? And it's like, I, I think eventually just you learn, but you don't to stop comparing. Like they're, they're never going to be the same. It doesn't matter if they're born on the exact mm -hmm. same day. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if, you know, they're, they're all so different and they learn in their mm -hmm. own way and everything. And I think just talking to each other about it, like, Hey, what, you know, what are you doing here? Like Lizzie said, like, I, I remember one of the conversations we had where she's like, I am so happy that Emerson is doing this, but it, it really like makes me feel like you said, like jealous because you know, whatever. And I'm like, um, okay, but Bjorn is doing this and this and this and this and look how awesome he is. And it's like, it's just, sometimes you need to see how awesome your kids are from someone else's perspective. And I, yes, I'm a huge advocate for Bjorn. <laughs> That's exactly like how it is. It's like, you, you just need the outside perspective. Like she said that mm -hmm. your baby's great just because they're not doing this one thing doesn't mean they're not doing a hundred other things. Fantastic. Yeah. I, lo I just love and appreciate the honesty between your friendship from the very beginning. And it's just like so apparent, even as we're talking of just, you know, so much about each other's lives and yet you still celebrate every new milestone, every new detail, every new experience. And it's just, it's so, it's just miraculous to even hear this story because I'm like picturing you guys in the NICU or trying to like picture what it was like. Or, uh, and so not to go backwards, but you said that the more like heart conversations happened more when you guys came home, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Did you guys just know from the start that this was a friendship you were never going to let go? I mean, I did. I don't know. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I just have this. I mean, from the second I saw that little incubator in the corner, I'm like, I just mm. need to know this person I don't know what it, it's I've never been able to explain mm. it there's just something that's like no we're gonna be friends for, and I saw her and she has a Harry Potter tattoo and <laughs> I'm like okay <laughs> we're done we're good you're my friend whether you want to or not <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily the same for me just because I, I'm that type to kind of suffer in silence by myself and I, I thought like maybe our friendship would be like a little bit into the NICU and maybe out of it just to randomly check in and then we'd go our separate ways. And that's, that's what I expected. So I kind of like shielded myself for a while and then we kept talking. I'm like, never mind. She's there forever. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And maybe we were going to get to this, but how, how has your guys, how is your friendship different 
than maybe other friendships in your life? Like, how do you guys understand each other in a way that maybe you don't have that same connection? You know, obviously the NICU experience is what kind of brought you guys together, but are there other elements within your friendship that just make it stand apart from others? You know, I know it's not bright and airy and happy, but I think that's part of the beauty of Lizzie and my relationship is that it's not always bright and airy and happy and bubbly. We, (laughs) it's not that we go to like dark places. It's just that we're able to find the, almost the humor in some of the stuff that we've (laughs) gone through where it's like, this is just, this is so bizarre and so crazy. The kinds of things that we have been through and that we're like on the other side of it and that we're relatively normal Mm. again. And (laughs) we just are able to bond on a level where if I were to joke about something like that with someone else, they kind of look at me like, oh, are you, are you like seeking professional help? Because there's something going on there. And Lizzie's like, Oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> there's a lot of dark humor in our friendship, which like, unless you've experienced what it is and you can kind of laugh about it now, but we're like, you guys are okay. Like I'll do it. I'll show it to my husband sometimes. And he's like, you guys okay? I'm like, yeah, we're great. Don't worry. We're fine. <laughs> fine. We're fine. Don't worry about us. I do the same thing. I'll send our conversations to to my husband. He's like, what are you guys even talking about? I'm like, you don't need to know. It's fine. <laughs> Just laugh. Just laugh at it. I love that. I wonder, you know, uh, to the moms that are in the NICU right now, um, you both took these really brave steps to start this friendship. And I w- wonder what you would suggest to them if they had spotted someone or we're thinking about trying to reach out to another NICU mom, what would you say to encourage them to do that? I'm horrible with talking, <laughs> but I am an excellent writer, I think. And I, I get so scared talking to people in person, but I feel like if you're scared to talk to someone, because a lot of it is the fear of rejection, I think, and the fear of I'm already in this terribly vulnerable place. I don't need another down. I don't need another negative. I don't need someone to like turn me down. And then on the other end, it's like some random person's coming up to me. I feel so awkward saying, no, I don't want to talk to you. That's like, it's really hard to say it in person. So I'm a huge advocate for writing. Um, and then the person can throw away the letter if they want to, or they can keep it if they want to. And you know, reach out or not reach out. It's all very like, here is my heart here. I'm like, I want to be there for you so that you're not alone on this journey and then allow them to, you know, take it or, or leave it and, and hope that they take it. Cause I don't think I would have survived without Lizzie as, as the, the kind of conversations that we had. And especially after the NICU, it almost feels like it for a minute there, it gets harder. And because you're so used to, you know, the, the nurse is taking care of the babies and, you know, this number on the screen is kind of what you're constantly looking at to see if your baby's okay. And now you've got this little human and I I don't think I would have made it without her. So I, I, I'm a huge advocate mm-hmm. for reaching out, talking to people, um, getting, yeah, getting that support. Lizzie, do you have any thoughts um, being on like, because you were on the receiving end of the letter, if there's a NICU mom that maybe was reached out to or received something like a letter and they're feeling that kind of hesitancy or that guarding of their heart, you know, what encouragement would you give that mom? The nice thing about a letter is that, you know, you can take your time with it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, you know, like, in, you know, like John was saying, you know, face to face, you have to respond right away whereas you know with a letter you can kind of wait and like is this something that I'm ready for is this something that I can do and and share something so personal with a stranger because even though you're both going through it it's still something so personal and close to you and your journey is never going to be the same as someone else's so you get you worry are they going to understand I would tell them, you know, think about it, give it a couple days if you need to, read that letter, read it over and over, and if you have this itch where you just feel like, I think I should, reach out. I it's the having someone there, someone close. It's going to be the best support you can get. You know, you can join preemie groups on Facebook. You know, that have thousands and thousands of members. They're not going to 
relate as much as someone else who's so close to you is going to relate. Mm -hmm. And it helped. And yeah, this without Charlene, I don't know if I would have made it through that journey. And like she said, afterwards, it's just, it's a whole different journey because now it's all on you and you're so used to looking for certain things, but now you don't have a monitor, you don't have that blood pressure cuff and you're just, it's scary and you need someone who understands and either has gone through it or is going through it with you. And it's the best support. Even if you don't talk every day, you have someone that you can go to to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared and I need help. And you can just, just talk. And it helps. It helps so incredibly much. I just remember messaging Lizzie at like three o'clock in the morning and Tyler going, you know, that's really creepy. I'm like, no. And she reads it right away and is like, yeah, I'm up too. <laughs> Those newborn babies. Yeah, right. I think too, it's uh, what you speak to is finding someone specific that you can share that with. Like you said, there are so many resources are online that are thousands and thousands of moms. And um, those are so great for specific things and getting specific help. But if you can try and build up those relationships individually, you know, even if it is online and right now, mm-hmm. most of our life is online, right? Because yeah. we're, we're really separating ourselves from most people. Um, that can help, you know, because you can then have someone you feel comfortable with, um, reaching out to in those moments as opposed to a total stranger, (laughs) right? Yeah, I see like conversations on people asking, hey, does anyone have any advice on this? And then other moms saying, yeah, here, like give a quick paragraph or so and then go message me if you want to, if you have questions. And I'm like, oh my God, please message them because there's just something so unique and special about having someone who did the same thing or went through the same journey and the, you know, like you said, the bond is just completely different. I've got, I've got lots of friends. I've got lots of family and it's just, none of them are at that same kind of relationship as what Lizzie and I have. It's just, it's great and it's wonderful in its own way, but we just have this, I don't know, bond, Lizzie. <laughs> We're bonded. We, we are. And you know, I honestly wouldn't trade that for anything because I didn't have to go through this by myself and I got a best friend out of it. And what more could I ask for? Mm-hmm. snaps for so that so <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking too when you guys were talking about um, texting each other in the NICU about like milestones and different things it's it's incredible too because NICU moms celebrate those milestones with each other in a different way mm-hmm. like you guys understand how big of a deal it is when your baby poops on their yeah. own yep. or, yes. you know, <laughs> And so there's something so special about just that kindred connection of knowing what those moments really mean. And so I think that's just another, you know, it's just another additional value onto the friendship of NICU moms with each other. I remember when I got moved, well, when Emerson got moved out of her room and into like the graduating side of the NICU, (laughs) there was like a different section and it's right by where the hand washing station is. And Lizzie would come in and we just talk about our babies while she's washing her hands. And I'm sitting there cuddling with Emerson and, and we just chat about the little ones. And then, you know, it was just, I, it was so great that like she got, almost like as excited as I was when I would tell her about the things that Emerson was doing and then vice versa. She'd tell me something really cool that Bjorn is doing. And I'm like, ah, yes, this kid is awesome. Well, maybe as we come to, you know, kind of a natural close here, I think one thing I'd love to hear from both of you is what are, what are your favorite things about the other? You know, what is What's your favorite thing about Lizzie as a person and as a mom? And what's your favorite thing about Charlene as a person and a mom? I think my favorite thing about Lizzie is her raw realness, kind of what we talked about even in the beginning here where it's, it's not sugarcoated. You know, I, I, I talked to her, she, you know, she's having a rough time. There's not that, Oh, I'm fine. It's, you know, she's so real and raw and her, her love for that kid, (laughs) that boy is just, 
it's otherworldly. You know, you can just tell everything that she does for him. All of the, I mean, like the special little way she makes his food or the cute little pictures that she takes of him or, you know, the walks and the just the way she talks to him and her little mom voice. And it's just there's so much love just outpouring there. It makes me just respect that so much and, you know, hope that that other people see me as loving Emerson the same way because it's just such a, it's so extraordinary. Um, as a friend, I love that she comes over and brings me Starbucks. I, <laughs> um, we just have a really real and raw relationship. And I appreciate that because I feel like even sometimes with, with some friends, you almost feel like you have to have this proper, you know, Oh, should I talk about this? Should I not talk about this? And we're just like, I mean, there's no, there's no boundaries <laughs> with the kind of things we're able to talk about. And I think that's my favorite, my favorite thing about her and our relationship. I'm just over here crying. It's okay. <laughs> it is okay. <laughs> One of the things I love about Charlene, you know, like as a mom and as a person, is just her compassion and not just, you know, for her baby, but for other people and just how much she feels for others and how I don't want to say that things like affect her, but she feels it, I guess, in a way is, you know, even if it's not directly her pain, you know, she can feel it with you and she can support you and not make it about herself. You know, she doesn't share her experience in order to like take it away from you. It's hmm. let's get through this together. And it's sharing instead of competing. And I just always thought that was so selfless of her, you know, going through her own t terrifying NICU journey and then writing a mom that she doesn't even know anything about a letter, giving all of her personal information, her phone number, email, Facebook, just to help when she has her own struggles to go through. And it just, that compassion has just always stood out to me about her. And it's something I just, I adore I do. And I just adore her for it. It's just, she's an amazing person and I never want her to forget that. And she's a great mom. She, you know, outside of like Instagram and Facebook, just the way she adores that little girl and just, she's a fantastic mom. She was made to do this. That little girl was made for her. I just love you so much. I love you too. <laughs> so beautiful. You guys, your friendship is so so astounding and I remember when we got to meet you guys at the fall event just like telling Ryan when I got home like oh and they're in the news these girls who were best friends and they <laughs> met in the NICU and I've never seen friends support each other like that before and so truly your your friendship and just the realness of it is seen by so many and um, you know our hope in recording this episode was that if there's any NICU moms in the NICU right now or out of the NICU let's be real that our are, are longing for that type of friendship to, to have the bravery to reach out because you never know that friend might be your new best friend for life, which is truly your guys' story. And so, um, thank you guys so much for sharing and for being so vulnerable and for being so real. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts that you want to end the episode with? The NICU is so hard. It just, I mean, there's, there's no other way that I can even summarize how difficult the journey is and it's just so it, it doesn't it doesn't make it less of a challenging journey for you and your baby but having someone there to just talk to and 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 bounce ideas off of and just anything it was just it was life-saving it really it really was. So I would definitely encourage anyone just take the, take the leap, you know, take the leap mm -hmm. and talk to somebody, send a message through Facebook after you stalk them for however long Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, it's such a breath of fresh air to have someone who can relate to you and who can, you know, talk you through things and have this kind of relationship that I really never thought I would have. So um, I would encourage them to, to do it. Hmm. I love it. Lizzie, any any final thoughts? Very similar to what Charlene was saying. You know, it's going through the NICU journey, you know, whether it's an hour or it's 114 days, it's it's lonely. You can you can be surrounded by friends and family, but it's 
lonely and it's painful and it's really nice to have someone there who gets it, who can understand why you're standoffish, who can understand why you don't want to talk about certain things and can understand your triggers better than anyone else is going to understand them. And just, it's almost like having another one of you in a sense, because it's someone who gets it. You don't have to explain how you feel or why you feel it. It's, I feel this. All right, cool. Let's work (laughs) through it. And it's, it's just nice to have that person there during the scariest time of your life. And Mm -hmm. you, you have something that's real and certain, and you know, it's going to be the same day after day. Cause in the NICU, it changes every single day, but you have that friendship where it's solid. It's going to be there the next day. It's going to be the same. It's going to be better. And it just, it gives you a little glimmer of hope and it just gets you through that day into the next one until you're out of the NICU. And then you get Starbucks all the time and <laughs> let your babies play and plan their wedding. It's perfect. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, thank you guys again for, again, your vulnerability and your honesty. Um, To any NICU mom listening to this, whether you're in the NICU or out of the NICU, we just want to um, just encourage you to take that leap and maybe reach out to a NICU mom that you know or have seen in the NICU or online. And if you're looking for a place to start, the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood really is a special place to meet other NICU moms. And if you're not a part of it already, we do have a private Facebook group that is exclusively for NICU moms as kind of a peer support area to meet each other, to share our hearts, to be vulnerable, to be real. And so if you're looking for sisters, we've got you covered. So thanks again for listening and we'll chat with you guys next time. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.